This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap for Jesus and make it loud and intentional. We'll learn from his word today and he is worth all of our praise. Somebody say amen to that. Week two of greater reward, your habits determine your life. And if our habits are only built in our own power, we are probably going to give up. And there's proof for that. Have you ever wondered why you try to make significant changes in your life, but you just can't? Has that ever happened to anybody or is it just me? Am I alone? You've tried to make significant changes like to your diet. You're like, Lord, I'm going to stop eating tacos, and then they build a taco palenque right in front of your house. You're like, Lord, I'm going to stop eating fried chicken, and then Chick-fil-A sends you another coupon in your email. We're trying our best, but we just keep falling down. Today, we're going to learn a powerful truth from Scripture, and it's going to be a paradigm mindset shift, I believe, in Jesus' name. It's going to change the way you think. The Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our, where are the scholars at? Our mind, not your heart. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I believe the scripture we'll share today is going to help change your mind. Because you can't change your life unless you change your mind. Maybe you can relate to me here. Sometimes I've recognized, Landon Kiker has recognized. If you can't relate to me here, that's okay. But sometimes I've recognized that my New Year's resolutions seem to bleed into the next year and the next year. <laughs> like my New Year's resolutions from 2021, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get healthy. The 2023, I'm like, yeah, let's get healthy. It's the same thing every time. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody. You know how it goes. We try really, really hard. We succeed for a few days, maybe even a few weeks. You try this diet, try that fad, try this fad. You're, you're tracking your macros. You're doing that, you're like, calorie, you know, we'll talk later. You're tracking, and then you, finally, you just give up. Here's the facts. 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by Valentine's Day. 80%. So eight out of the 10 things you wrote down in the beginning of January, may, you may have already given up on. And let's be honest, some of it's probably unrealistic, right? Like you haven't ran since middle school. And you're like, I'm going to run 10 miles a week. No, you're not. Your body will reject you. And it's like, that is not, and you'll get hurt. That's not possible. Why is it that that statistic is true? Well, today we're going to go to God's word and find out how we can stop that roller coaster. Because you and I, we might be the same. We all want to stop overeating, overspending. We want to stop smoking it and toking it or whatever you do. You want to stop looking at porn, but you fall back into it all. And you want to start praying regularly, reading the Bible faithfully, working out, getting healthy. And you drift away. Why? Why? Why do the days become months and months become years? You try to get better with your money, and then for some reason, those patterns keep coming back. 
and Amazon is still on your phone. And then you just give up and you just start buying stuff. But you start buying stuff for people and you justify it like I'm giving you a gift as under the Lord. I have the gift of generosity. And you paint it with the Jesus brush and you know you're a liar. Why is it that we try so hard to change but we end up falling right back into the same rut? The title of today's message is Stop Trying. Doesn't make a lot of sense right now. It will in a minute. Just stop trying. Trying isn't working for you, so just stop. I'm going to tell you what you need to do here in just a minute. Here's our declaration for this series. With God's help, we will choose what we want. Say it out loud. Over what we want. And this is a, a spiritual statement. And I prayed before today that your hearts and minds would be open to the spiritual truths that are given to you today. Because without the spirituality component of today, then all you'll hear me say is try harder. But that's not what today's about. And I want our hearts to be receptive to the word so that our minds can change. So can you put your hands over your heart? Father, right now, may these hearts that are covered with these hands be receptive to the good news of Christ. Be receptive to your word and the parts of our hearts that are hurting. God, would you see it and help us deal with it and would you heal it? And God, the parts of our minds that have been stuck in a rut for too long that have determined our behaviors based out of old thought patterns or maybe even trauma, would you begin to heal? And would today be part of that healing on purpose in Jesus' name? Everybody said, amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to, say it out loud, say it like a winner. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Paul's audience would have clearly understood this competitive metaphor. He was writing to the Corinthians. He was writing to the believers in the city of Corinth, and and he wrote a letter to them, and, and, and Corinth was a city in Greece, and Greece, every four years, hosted Olympic Games. In in a venue much like this, this is in Corinth. This stadium is in Corinth. It's since been updated, but they kept some of the old school architecture. Isn't that cool? This is in Corinth, and and you, you see how much of a big deal the games were when they built that kind of stuff without any engineering software. There's no AutoCAD. You couldn't Google how to make a straight line. Like they just, they did all this with their bare hands, and and it was important to them competition was important to them. And also in Corinth, they had a local competition called the Isthmian Games. And the Isthmian Games were like a smaller version of the Olympics, but it happened every year. They had chariot races. Sounds fun. They had boxing. They had wrestling. Not wrestling, it's different. But they also, get this, had poetry reading contests. They had poetry reading in the Isthmian Games. It was a sport to them. 
And one thing you need to know, I mean, guys, I'm just, I haven't always been this cool. I know that's hard to understand. I, I know, I know. But one thing you need to know, I used to be the brass lieutenant. It doesn't get more nerdy than that. The drum major was the only nerd more nerdy than me. I was the brass lieutenant. I carried around a microfiber cloth in my uniform so I could polish the brass. I was next level nerd. And, and, I, and I, I know it's hard to see. The feather on my head, the polished white shoes. It was a very interesting time in my life. But it gets worse. I was also the captain of the German Foreign Language Festival competition team. <laughs> Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> we won first place in the 11th grade for the dramatic script recitation in German. We had to write a whole script of a play in German and reenact it in German. And I still remember my part of the script. If you want to hear it, let's go to coffee. <laughs> Paul was talking to a group of people that understood competitive metaphor. And I'm telling you, like if I had been born in Corinth, I would have been in that poetry reading. Con I wouldn't have been a wrestler. I wouldn't have, maybe a chariot race. I don't know, you know, because I was a real skinny, lanky dude. And I just, maybe a chariot race. But I would have rocked the poetry reading at the Isthmian Games. And these guys were super competitive. The staff laugh at me all the time because I turn everything into a competition. It's like, it's, it's like I'm just competitive by nature. So I understand the book of Corinthians very well and how Paul wrote to them and why he said it. He's talking to a group of people that valued competition. They celebrated the struggle of the games, the, the thrill of victory and the thrill of defeat. They celebrated it. Look at verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one team, one person gets a trophy. Obviously, that was before everybody got participation medals. So run to, say it out loud, win. How many of you, you genuinely love to win? Like winning is, a, raise your hand, come on winners, raise your hand, it's okay, it's okay. Now, how many of you are like, I just, I, like, Games are cool, like, but like as long as everyone's happy and we had a good time, like it's okay, everyone gets a trophy. Like how many of you are there? It's okay, raise your hands. There was only two in the first service too. It's okay. If you didn't raise your hand, you're the one that's been beaten so much. You're like, I don't like any cup of tea. You're like, it's okay, it's okay. Some people have said, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be competitive. I don't know what Bible they read, um, but that's not true. You have to remember that you and I are in a spiritual battle. A spiritual what? Battle. We serve the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the champion. We are called more than conquerors. We have victory in Christ. And I want to stand with the ultimate winner whose name is Jesus. I love to win. I'm licking my wounds right now from last Sunday night. Y'all, I mean, the Lombardi Trophy's dead to me. I'm just telling you, I love to win, and it hurts when I don't win, and it's just a competition thing, and you know what? I hate it when the devil wins. It breaks my heart when I see the devil win in your life. 
when he gets in the middle of your marriage, when he gets in the middle of your physical health and you need healing, when he gets between you and your children, nothing makes me more angry than that. See, Paul didn't say run to finish. What did he say? Run to win. He said run to win. Nobody was giving out snacks to all the kids when they lost. The losers didn't get snacks from soccer mom. You go home without a snack. Run to win. Run to win. The great renowned theologian Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. Greek Stoic philosopher said this, if you withdraw without sufficient reason, you will be whipped. And this whipping, they were West Texan, this whipping comes after your training, which involves thirst and broiling heat and swallowing handfuls of sand. Did you know that in Greek Olympic training, this is actually literal, they would eat sand. You weren't allowed, while you were training, you weren't allowed a delicacy like water. There were no water breaks. You fought through the heat and the thirst, and then they'd make you eat sand. Because it doesn't get much worse than being thirsty and being handed a handful of sand. And if you could train hard, you'll win. In other words, what Epictetus is trying to tell us is if you're going to compete, you need to run to win. You need to run to win. Don't rationalize away the joy of honoring God with your best. Well, I'm just not built that way, Landon. That's rationalizing. I'm just, I'm just not competitive by nature. I know God made you that way, but that's rationalizing your attempt to move forward. Don't rationalize away the joy of honoring God with your best. If you're going to run, we run to. In Scripture, there's some pretty big assignments from God in the Garden of Eden. He tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. He's basically saying, if you're going to be on the earth, you better do something of significance. In the New Testament, Jesus told a story about a manager who had three employees, and he gave each of them a measure of money and resource. Two of them played to win. They invested their measure and doubled their money. And the master called them good and faithful. But then there was one guy, one employee that didn't even come to play. He didn't even come to the game. In the Bible, the manager doesn't just call him lazy. He calls him wicked and lazy. Jesus, the very last thing he said before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, show them their purpose. He didn't say sleep in, be mediocre, and waste your life on your phone. Everything we do as followers of Christ, we do as unto the Lord. Every moment of our day, we do as unto the Lord. We don't rationalize away the thrill of bringing our best to God. We run to win. So here's the question. Why aren't you winning? And you got to be honest here. Why aren't you winning? 
Why aren't you making progress? Like, why, why aren't you making achieving goals like a normal thing for you? Like, what, why, aren't, why aren't we changing? What is going on here? Like, where is the winning? Here's the answer. You've been trying in your own power for way too long. You've just been trying. Trying. In the most, of, in most important areas of life, Christians have developed this theology of trying. I'm going to try to quit smoking. I'm going to try to start praying. I'm going to try to stop cussing. I'm going to try to stop flipping people the bird on 35. I'm going to try to stop worrying. I'm going to try to get in better shape. I'm going to try to be a better husband. I'm going to try to be a better mom. I'm going to try to be a better parent. I'm doing the best I can. I'm going to try to be the best version of me. And that's where the disconnect happens. Because according to New Testament, you and I are dead people. And we're only alive in Christ. So trying to be a better version of a dead person is still a dead person. You can try to cover up something and it still be broken. You can put new asphalt on old Wiederstein, but it's still old Wiederstein. Can I get an amen? The city owes me money for new shocks on my pickup truck. I came here today to help you with your strategy. Remember we talked about that 2023 was this church's year of strategy. So here's the point of today. Stop trying and start training. Stop trying, start training. Why? Because trying never receives consistent results. Training does. What's the difference? Trying is an attempt to change with minimal commitment. It's a half-hearted attempt. I'm going to try to read my Bible. I'm going to try to be nice. I'm going to try to not interrupt people. I'm going to try to not kick the dog. I'm going to try to not order two desserts. I'm going to try. It's like a prenup with God. You've already got one foot out the door. You're already ready to duck out. There's no commitment. It's just trying. There's no commitment with trying. It's a wish. It's just a hope. It's just a wish. But what is training? Training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. It's a wholehearted commitment. It's the year of strategy. I love it when I see a good strategy. My son Levi just finished his basketball season. Praise God. It was awful. They won zero games. Don't be sad for him. They played terribly. They should have lost. It was bad. Y'all think I mean? They were awful. I mean, if going to their practices, the term that comes to mind is cruel and unusual punishment. It, you should have seen the pandemonium. I look over, we go to their games, I look at the other side of the court, and there's kids, like, they're running in circles, and they're passing and laying up and passing and laying up. I look over at Levi's, and one kid is doing this, throwing a ball between his legs to all the other kids. They're, they're playing dodgeball with the basketball. I'm not making this up. One game they lost so bad, 
the ref turned off the scoreboard. You should feel no sympathy. They lost because they deserved to lose. Do you know why? Because there was no training. It was chaos. Their practices were chaos. It was just throwing things all over the place, running into each other, hitting each other with the ball. And then they expect to go play another team that's actually training with a specific result in mind and expect to win? No. There was one time, the, the, the game that they lost by 48 points. Stop. Y'all stop. Be on my side with this, all right? To all you parents that have had to sit through a terrible game, I got you. It's a level of sanctification that the Lord has put into your life to destroy your flesh. It comes no other way through that pain. And guess what? You had to pay money for it. That's the other kicker. I remember Levi came out and he was all mad carrying his snack that he got for losing. He's carrying his bag. He's got his Jordans on. He thinks he's super cool before the game and then after the game. He was screaming and he was mad. He was like, these don't make me jump higher. It's like, no, they don't. It's all a sham. They don't make you do anything. It's just got MJ on it. And, and he's like, they don't do this. They don't do that. And he was like, I did great, but my team. And I just let it sit there. I, I, my heart said what you just said. In the suburban, I'm driving home. Bradley's like knocking on Levi like, man, y'all lost bad. And like, <laughs> I, I hear like a bag of goldfish hit Levi, hit Bradley in the face. And they start screaming. And you know, like when you're driving, you're like, everybody's on it. Everybody's on it. You know, like you're not even intelligible. <laughs> Whip the Suburban into the driveway and Levi's all mad and he throws his basketball into the garage all ticked off. And I said, hey, come here a minute. I said, what did you mean by like your team? He's like, well, I did, I did my best, but my team, I said, hold on a minute. Now, my, and Levi's our sensitive kid. Like, he doesn't need, he didn't need a lot of spankings. Like, you looked at him wrong, he'd cry. Bradley, on the other hand, he doesn't care what you say. He just bends over and he's like, give it your best shot. <laughs> but Levi's the huggy one. And I got to tread lightly here. So I treaded lightly. And I said, Levi, you played like a loser. I treaded lightly. <laughs> said, you played like a loser. He's like, dad, daddy. And I said, chill, bottle it up for a minute. And Kelly like walked in the house because she knows the West Texas daddy's coming out. She's like, I can't, I just can't. So she goes in the house. <laughs> I said, you played like a loser. The ball's going to the other end of the court and you're walking around trying to show everybody your new shoes. You don't care about winning. You walk the court half the time. You're not even sweating, bro. You play for an hour. Coach is trying to tell you to get down to the court and you're too busy making googly eyes at this person in the stands that I don't even know what her name is. That's another story. I said, Levi, don't blame it on your team when you gave it a half-hearted attempt. I'm gonna butcher this, but do or no do, there is no try. I don't know, I don't do Star Wars. I ain't in Whatever. I was like, you ain't Yoda, Levi. He's like, what? I'm like, you know. I'm like, you, you did not train to win. 
You trained to lose. You didn't give it your best. Trying is not good enough. Training is strategic. You sucked it up and they lost the last game, but it was only by 20 points, not 48. Don't you dare. (laughs) Y'all wrong for that. Don't you dare. You're wrong for that. Guys, a lot of us treat our spiritual life like that. We're just throwing the ball around, throwing baloney at the wall, hope it sticks. We get to the end of the year and we're like, I don't know why I didn't lose weight. I don't know why my marriage is still in the tank. I don't know why my parents or my kids still hate me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I still can't hear God. I don't know why I still don't know how to pray. Don't let this year go by with trying you need to train. Training is a game plan. It's a strategy. All the Rocky movies just got released on Netflix. So boom, I've been at it. I've been showing the boys. So after I had that conversation with Levi, I said, get in the house, turn the TV on. He goes, turn the TV on? I get screen time. I said, no, it's my time. I'm going to show you something. I want you to go to Netflix, go to my profile, because yours is blocking out all the PG-13 movies. Go to my profile, and I want you to click Rocky Four. And he's like, which, so it only says V-I-V-I-I-I. I'm like, oh, God. Go to Rocky IV. At this point, I'm just frustrated. I'm just mad. And I said, we're going to fast forward through all the lovey-dovey Adrian parts. We're going to get to the good part. I said, watch, Apollo Creed's about to die. You know why he didn't train for it? He, so he died. He's like, what? I'm like, he died. Look at him. He's dead right now. Look at his wife. Look how sad she is because he didn't try. He didn't train. He only tried. And Kelly's like, I can't. I think she went and got a pedicure or something. She's like, I can't. And she's like tallying up how much counseling we're going to have to pay for later. <laughs> and we get to the part, I'm like, look at Rocky training. He's in the cold of Russia. And he's going to fight the guy that killed his best friend. And he's training. The Russian guy's like juicing up. Y'all remember that scene? A big old needle is juicing up. And he's like, he's like, with this dumb flat top. And he's like, and I told Levi, I was like, this is why Russia's bad. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. He'll discover that on his own. Anyway, so we, we, we move on and we get to the part where I'm like, this guy had all of this. He was training, but he was cheating. Rocky's like running in front of a car in the snow like doing lunges in the snow, pull-ups in like some meat locker. He's like run up and down stairs. He's training to win. I wonder if you and I have gotten weak. If we've gotten weak and unfocused, we need a divine vision. And we need generationally focused goals, thinking three generations ahead. When you're trying, you give up when it's too hard. Levi wanted to quit the team. I said, like heaven you are. You ain't quitting this team. Paid 150 bucks for this. You ain't quitting this team. When you're training, you don't act according to feelings. You act according to commitment. When you're trying, you just give up when it gets too hard. When you're trying in your marriage, you give up when it gets too hard. That's why 63% of all marriages are now ending in divorce. You're just trying. You're not training, you're trying. There's a big difference. Paul says it this way. 
Everyone who competes in this game goes into strict trying. It's not what it says. It says training. In fact, it's the Greek word agonizomai, where we get the word agony. Trying is like when you get, when you tried your best, you still get goldfish and Powerade and snacks. And people powder you behind and you get a competition, you get a participation medal. Training is you're contending for victory. Paul used the word agonizomai. That word is very rarely used in scripture. And he said, you've got to contend for victory. Jesus already won the ultimate victory, but the rest of it is up to your contention. And you've got to strain every nerve toward the goal. You've got to train. Trying is a half-hearted attempt. Training is using every bit of power you've got for a divine reason. Imagine two athletes training for the Olympics and this, I read a book called Peak Performance. It's not a Christian book, but it was all about how different athletes train for certain events and one's got a strict diet. There's no wine, there's no beer, there's no junk food. It's, you're training in extreme cold, you're training in extreme heat, you're running in the sand. You're training. You're not trying. One of my favorite movies is Cool Runnings. <laughs> Remember when they found Of Blitzer? And he was training the fastest of the fastest of Jamaican sprinters. And they found Of Blitzer, and they're like, Sanka, you're dead, man, when he was in the ice cream truck. And Herb Blitzer was putting them in extreme cold, making them run faster than they could run, pushing them harder than they've ever been pushed to accomplish something no one in their country had ever done, not even one time. So if you want to feel the rhythm. <laughs> feel the ride. Get on up. It's God sled time. Stop it. Stop it. Listen, disciples of Christ. Listen, spiritual athletes. When you're an athlete, when you're a competitor, when you're fighting for something that matters, when you're pursuing a vision, when you're walking in God's purpose for your lives, trying apart from training is unthinkable. But if you're just a, a CEO Christian, which is Christmas and Easter only, when you're a CEO Christian and you show up, the average American Christian only comes to church once a month. In the 80s, it was three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And now it's once a month to a 60-minute service because we're appeasing to a generation who's severely distracted. And we're fighting against that here because your family trees won't change with 60 minutes of fluff. It only will change with agonizomai. Your great-grandchildren need you to run in the sand, to fight for something they don't even know that they need to fight for yet. We're not trying. What are we doing? We're training. Look at 1 Timothy. Paul said this, train yourself to be godly. Somebody here needs to change their mindset. I'm in training. I'm giving up this half-hearted commitment. I'm in a full-on, every nerve in my body focused toward pursuing the Spirit of God. I'm in training. I'm in training.
So what do I do? What do I do? What is training? Training is doing what I can today to enable me to do even more. When? Tomorrow. Could you run a marathon today? Probably not. The only one in our church that could is Richard. (laughs) You couldn't run a marathon today, but you could walk a mile today. It would only take you 20 minutes. And I would venture to say, go to the church's land and walk around it. It's an old cart path. Walk around the church's land and pray while you're walking, please. And ask God to send us very rich oil people, all right? (laughs) From your lips to God's ears. But you could strategize a training regimen and walk 20 minutes today. By the end of the week, you're walking 30 minutes a day. And within a month, you're used to walking two miles a day. And then you get to try out this thing called yogging after that. Could you get out of debt by next month? Probably not. But you could strategize a plan with the guidance of the Holy Spirit to get there within a few years or maybe by the end of the year. Because when you're in training, you bring your own coffee instead of losing $6 a day at Starbucks. When you're trying, you want the coffee from Starbucks. But when you're in training, you're dedicated. Can you become a spiritual powerhouse by noon tomorrow? Probably not. But you can join a small group today. Come on, somebody. You can join a small group today. Small groups start today. Today. Today's January 29th. Yes, you heard right. February is Wednesday. Today is January 29th. Small groups start today. In fact, there's a small group that even starts tonight. It's our very first ever rooted group, and it's all about the foundations of faith getting you rooted in who God is, who the church is, who the Holy Spirit is, what the purpose for your life is. Sign up for a group. If you're, if you're a recovering Catholic and you don't know anything about the faith, that's your group. If you were raised in church but you don't know God at all, that's your group. Go, learn, go get rooted. Go get rooted and allow God to let you grow from there. There's also freedom groups. There's a freedom group for men, a freedom group for women, where you're going to go through the stuff that's hiding in your yesterdays. And you're going to get free from it. Those groups end with a conference that we do with other churches in town that also do the same curriculum. We get together and run a conference together. And it's a powerful thing. There's all kinds of fun groups. There's marriage groups, parenting groups. There's tons of next-gen groups for kids. Uh, you're, you're going to love it. In fact, at the back of the room, there are two tables, two computers. They're there to answer all your questions about small groups. So after church, go see them. Because when you're in training, you've got to be around other people that are training. Let me tell you the truth about people in training. Training athletes are consistent. Training athletes are consistent. If you're like, well, Landon, I don't know what happened. Like, I went to the gym three months ago, and, like, it didn't work. And you buy all these gimmicks you see on TV, and, and, and it's not working. No, training athletes are consistent. I remember when I wanted to get into physical shape. And, and I'll just be real with you guys. A couple of years ago, I was in the worst shape of my life. Had tons of back problems. Waking up in the middle of the night all the time, I could not sleep. I was the heaviest I had ever been. And I'm naturally a thin guy, but I had gotten up to about 236 pounds. I had never been over 200 in my life, and I had gotten up to 236. None of my clothes fit. felt like I was wearing pantyhose. 
they didn't have any money for me to buy new clothes. And Kelly's like, you're just going to have to be fat in that shirt. Like, I'm not buying you new clothes. I know, she's mean. I mean a, she didn't say that. And I was just, I, my mental health was in the tubes. I was angry all the time. I was fighting with Kelly. I was barking at the kids. and I, I, had, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so walking around the why, trying to sort through podcasts, wasn't working for me. I didn't get healthy walking through exercise equipment. Actually, I just sit on it and do things. I'd get in the car, hadn't sweat at all. Wonder why my life wasn't changing. So I stopped donating money to the YMCA and uh, signed up for this studio style workout thing where you're with a bunch of other people. Now, naturally for me, it's helpful for me because I'm competitive. So I'm running on this treadmill, which I hadn't run hardly in my life, like it, since I was in soccer. And I was like, I was running, and there's this lady next to me, and she's in her 50s. And I look over her treadmill, and she's like at six miles per hour. I was at four. But your name's up on the screen, and my name is in red, which means dead. It means you're about to die. Like your heart's about to jump out of your throat. Slow down. And hers is green. And she's just like all happy. And I'm like, <sighs> And even it was so bad, the coach came over to me. She's like, Landon, are you okay? And I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk. But I still clicked it up two notches to match the lady. I was like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out beating Betty. I'm not losing. I'm not losing to Betty. I made the decision to go seven days a week for three months. I didn't miss a day. Within three months, I lost 36 pounds. My pants were no longer pantyhose. And now it's about five days a week, but it's been a year, it's been a year and a half now of five days a week. Training is consistent. My back problems are gone. Acid reflux is gone. I'm happier. I sleep all night. I don't bark at my kids unless they lose basketball games. <laughs> Consistency was key for me. Another thing is training athletes don't complain. I made the decision not to complain. When I signed up for those classes, I didn't go, <sighs> and some of us treat church like that. We're like, gosh, there's so much lawn work to do. I just guess I'll go. We're not training. We're trying. When we talk like that, people who are training don't whine about 21 days of prayer and fasting. We embrace it. Because we know that 21 days of prayer and fasting can do something for you that sweet tea and tacos cannot. I was surprised too. <laughs> but when we're trying and not training, we complain and we cheat. Because we have a carnal mindset focused on pleasure, not a heavenly mindset focused on purpose. Look what Paul says in verse 26. I run with, say it out loud, purpose. It's your year of strategy. It's your year of strategy. Strategy. I'm in training. And when you're in training, you don't do perfectly every time, do you? No. You're in training. You're going to fall down. You're going to throw interceptions like Dak. You're going to lose a few games. But what happened in the season? Was it a winning season or a losing season? Did you train or did you try? 
I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just making this up. I discipline. You can't be a disciple without discipline. I'm training it to do what it should. I love how Paul says, like an athlete. Like an athlete. Last week's message was all about identity. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you don't know who you are and whose you are, then you're just Googling how to be a better whatever. Because when I'm trying, I'm hoping to become someone I'm not. But when I'm training, I'm becoming more of who I already am. It all starts with identity. Somebody say, I'm not trying, I'm training. See, training isn't a hopeful experiment. It's devoted commitment driven by a deeper why. With God's help, guys, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. I've been asked about my personal disciplines and the people that have known me for the longest know that it's been a struggle. For those of you that have just met me recently, you're like, well, that's great for you. I'm glad it works for you, but you don't know what I went through to get there. It hasn't come easy for me. In fact, my nature is the opposite. My nature is the sand and the sea and flip-flops, no shoes, no shirt, no problem. My nature is Zach Brown Band and Jimmy Buffett on repeat. Like, just come hang out. Like, chill out, man. That's my nature. Like, I, like that, that's, that's who I am. I just want people to come and have a good time and enjoy each other. And It's not my nature to discipline every moment of every day. That's hard for me. And some of you, you need to loosen up a little bit. You're trying to schedule other people's lives. But it's not, it wasn't my nature, right? but I began to get the realization that I need to choose what I want most over what I want now. It, it came out of a place of me embracing my spiritual identity. It was born out of a deep devotion of a greater purpose. So why isn't that you haven't been able to change? You've been trying in your own power. I did that for too long. It's time to start training. And with God's help, you can. You can. I didn't just go to the gym and don't just schedule my day. And it hurts my heart. I'm a people person. I'm an extrovert. Like sitting alone in a house reading a book is, I think, what hell looks like. Like I don't want to do that ever. Like I just, I don't want to do that. Like I want to hang out with people and have a good time. And I'm, I'm re-energized that way. And so it's hard for me when I have to say no to more meetings a week than I do yes. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to say no to doing fun stuff in order to go to the gym. But I'm thinking about my great-grandkids. I'm thinking about outrunning them. I'm thinking about not being the fat great-grandpa that sits in the chair and falls asleep at dinner. I'm thinking about never being the grandpa that the church asked to play Santa. I'm thinking about being around long enough to know my great-grandkids and they know me. I'm thinking about generational transfer, generational discipline. It came from an identity shift for me. I'm going to ask the band to come out and help me. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet.
Somebody say, I'm in training. When you run, run to win. Don't try, train. We were born to win. And Jesus already won. And I think there's some people here who are ready to stop trying. And you want to start training. And there are some people here that you want this bad. And you're like, I want my life to change. But it starts with you knowing Christ first. And I'm going to ask the prayer partners to go ahead and come down and get in place. We end our service every Sunday by praying a praying with you if you want it and you come down to the front and you receive prayer it's a beautiful thing when you run run to win so that means you might need somebody to come you might need somebody to pray a prayer of faith over you today a prayer of stick to a prayer of courage a prayer of faith a prayer of long suffering For some of you, God knew you'd be here today, and he wants you to hear the message of, I forgive you. I love you. Let's start today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me pray over you today. Father, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that first we would change how we see ourselves. That we are not defined by our failures, but we're defined by the future you secured for us on the cross that we are more than conquerors, that we're blessed going in and blessed coming out, and that we rebuke the lies of the enemy, that you're unhealthy, ugly, broke, unhelpful, not useful, that you have no purpose, that you're never gonna have good relationships. We rebuke that in Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And we declare today that salvation comes to your house. And if you've never made the adult decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, that starts today. If you've never said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, your first step is to take a step and to come down here and let them pray for you. Father, give us courage to say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.